0: Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Marcus Kron. We interview experts so you can understand all aspects of real estate investing. Whether you're a passive investor or an experienced syndicator, this podcast can guide you on your journey of building wealth through real estate. If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, MarcusCron.com.
1: Hey guys, Marcus Cron here. Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I'm joined by Tim Kelly, who has built a large multifamily and mobile home park portfolio, all while being an officer in the Navy. I know he will add a ton of value in today's interview, so I'm excited to have him on the show today. So Tim, welcome to the show, brother.
2: Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is, I've been looking forward to this. Um, let's have a fun conversation.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I know it will be fun. So I'm just going to give you a brief introduction on Tim. He is an active duty chief petty officer in the United States Navy and has been serving his country for 14 years. Now stationed on shore duty in Pensacola, Florida, he's fully pursuing his dream of owning and operating multifamily real estate and helping others realize their financial freedom goals. Through analyzing hundreds of multifamily properties, Tim has built an incredible network of real estate professionals, Owns, controls, or has directly been involved in over 1,000 income producing units and looks forward to acquiring 5,000 multifamily units within the next three years. So there's uh, quite a bit to unpack there, Tim. Without further ado, I'll let you kind of share a little bit more of your story. Uh, how'd you get into this real estate game and uh, what are you focusing on?
2: Yeah, man, for sure. So, you know, I got, I got the bug when I started reading a bunch of books on one of my last deployments. Uh, Back in 2014, I was on a ship, I had a stack of books, mostly in the personal finance and and wealth building uh, realm. And the more I built and and kind of improved my financial education, the more I just kept seeing real estate investing, real estate investing. And then so I kind of just built my curiosity. So I then dove into all things real estate investing, how you can make money in real estate, um, all the different asset classes you can get in. And, and so then I kind of went, you know, horizontal across all the different acquisition strategies and in ways that you can produce income in real estate from wholesaling to single family flipping to, you know, creative strategies in the residential. And then I learned about multifamily and other commercial deals. And, and, and then I kind of just chose multifamily because it just seemed to speak to me a little bit more. And then I just went vertical and and i focused on multifamily and so i i immersed myself in in every book, podcast, went to conferences, meetups and all that and i just considered myself the guy who invested in multifamily and then i started syndicating and and um and, and so that that's where i where i focus on and all as a side hustle while i'm still right now currently active duty in the navy here in in Pensacola, Florida. And so um you know now you know what I've joined a team and now I'm a partner of this amazing community called Active Duty Passive Income and and we're a slew of active duty or veteran members of the military who are helping other military members uh, achieve financial freedom through real estate and we have all kinds of cool ser- you know programs and and products and services and we have a best selling book on Amazon uh, that's free on our website uh, we have a podcast uh, that we've interviewed some super high level people Robert Kiyosaki, Garrett Sutton, Tom Wheelwright. We interviewed Grant Cardone, Alana Cardone, um, you know, Jacko Willink. He's a big time in the military industry. And we also um, are interviewing junior officers, junior enlisted members who are going through our programs and succeeding, and very inspiring to hear these people who are still active duty. So that's a little bit about what I have going on. Plus, we're also investing in and focusing on acquiring multifamily family in uh, the apartment complexes and mobile home parks and now we're looking at storage facilities and we're giving our community an inside look at how we're doing our deals how we're structuring our deals uh, while we're passing on deals and uh, so we're just having a lot of fun man and then i'll be able to do this full-time in, in november I'm, I'm transitioning out of the navy in november to do this full-time to full-time invest and full-time help grow the community and help more people achieve financial freedom so super excited man
1: I yeah, know and I can get that sense from you uh, you just have so much excitement and passion for this I mean there's no real traditional route or, or ordinary route where hey you follow this path and you're gonna end up in real estate but I mean yours is typically you know a little bit more out of the box as well I mean you're active in the in the Navy and you you're reading these personal finance books and trying to find your way in it sounds like it kind of wore down in you over time like a bunch of resources and podcasts but was there a specific period in your life where it's like boom real estate is is the way to go and and when you actually started taking action on it um i think you know when i when i bought my
2: first single family home back in 2011 with with the va loan which is probably the number one best benefit that the military has to offer it's it's a loan you could it's a zero percent down loan to get military members or veterans and the families into homes with zero percent down and um, as a caveat to that, that's one of the things we teach people because you can get a fourplex with your VA loan. And so our book that is a best-selling book now is called Military House Hacking. You know, we're teaching other people. I'm, I'm, I've house hacked three times. Um, and so that's one thing we teach people about how to leverage their VA loan to get into a small multifamily property and house hack and start catapulting their, their ability to build wealth. But I, I bought my first single family home and I house hacked it without even really knowing what house hacking was back in 2011. And then I'm like, this is interesting. I'm like, I, I have a mortgage. I know I'm building equity or I think that's the name of it. And, you know, I'm, I have another person running out of bedroom and they're helping me pay this mortgage. So I'm saving money every month. And, but they're helping me build this, this big investment that I have. And then then I just started educating myself. And luckily, you know, I just always had an interest in finance, personal finance and building wealth. And then that's when I stumbled across, you know, I saw a repeated pattern of real estate investing helps anybody build wealth and anybody can get into it. And then I just dove in. I never looked back, man. So I think it was maybe from closing on my first property, realizing how it's pretty cool. And then I ended up selling that for profit. I took those profits, put it into another multifamily. And from there, I was like, I was hooked, man. And then I just started focusing on multifamily uh, from that point. So I think it was just my general curiosity. And and wealth building and I just I started self- educating
1: awesome and house hacking is kind of becoming a household name around the real estate investing community I mean for anybody that's listened to podcasts whether it be bigger pockets podcasts or anything like that like house hacking is very a uh, common use term but I know I haven't talked about it on my show yet here so uh, do you mind kind of sharing with my audience what exactly house hacking it is and and how you apply it
2: yeah, I'll, I'll start. You know, I, I think my my idea of house hacking, and this is best case scenario. You you buy a four unit property with a owner occupied loan. You live in one unit and rent out the others, which could be whether it's the VA loan or FHA financing, a traditional conventional thirty year mortgage. Most likely, you could buy four units, live in one unit, and rent out the other, and live cash flow. Um, live rent free or live mortgage free and get paid to live every single month and you know for me that's the best way to really catapult your wealth especially in the military you can get into four units for 0% down or rent out the other units and in one deal you could be a homeowner you could be a landlord you could learn how to manage tenants and you could be in a position to literally just start stacking up your wealth cuz you will save your mortgage but you'll instead of coming out of pocket you'll actually be cash flowing. And that really separates the difference between when people own their single family home, whether it's a liability or whether it's an asset. Is it taking money out of your pocket every month or is it putting money in your pocket every month? And when you could create an asset in the home that you live in, there's no better ideal situation Um, and I think that just puts you in a position to where you could really start realizing the benefits of real estate and the five profit centers of real estate, which, um, I love talking about too.
1: All right. Well, while you're on that topic, can you share the five profit centers of real estate? Because I I love them and that's why I love real estate as an asset class. So, um, would you mind sharing with my audience what exactly they are if they haven't heard them already?
2: Yeah, you know, for sure. Like the minute I learned these, that's why I was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's keep let's keep learning. So um, number one, that, that cash flow. If you you know, if you buy a property right and, and it's managed right and with the right financing, you'll cash flow every single month. Every single month you'll get you'll get cash flow. That's that's number one. Number two, it's you know, it's gonna appreciate. You know, in most cases, if you hold a property for long enough, it's gonna go up in value every single month. And you know rule of thumb, it doubles in value every 10 years. Um, So you get some appreciation without even doing anything just by buying and holding real estate. You get cash flow every month, and it appreciates every month. Um, Number three, you have other people paying your equity down. So that's another way that your net worth builds every single month, because you're using good debt um, that pays you and you're having other people pay your debt down for you with it, it, which is equity growth. Um, Number four, is a hedge against inflation. Um, When you could secure debt long-term for 30 years, your mortgage payment could stay the same for 30 years. But guess what goes up? Cost of living. With that, guess what goes up? Your rent payments. Guess what goes up? That, of course, the expenses go up too, but as your rent continues to go up, Your mortgage payment stays the same, so your cash flow every single year should increase every single year when you buy and hold real estate. And fifth one, which is something that people, uh, I don't think, understand the power of, is the incredible tax benefits that you have from buying and holding and owning real estate. And The best way to explain that is that, the, unlike most people believe that the IRS and the tax code is written to just take money out of these hard-working um, you know, citizens' paychecks, which if you have one stream of income, you're going to feel like that. But the IRS enforces the tax code. And the tax code is actually written more to help you save money and reduce your tax liability. And the tax code is written to incentivize certain behavior. And so that behavior I'm talking about is providing housing and providing jobs. If you could provide housing and provide jobs at the same time, which is what you do as a real estate investor when you're providing long-term housing, they will incentivize you by reducing your taxes. So the more property you hold, the more housing you provide, the more jobs you can create, the more the IRS is going to incentivize you. Um, So those are the five profit centers I love talking about. That's what really got me hooked. Um, and that's why more millionaires are, are created by buying and holding real estate than any other, any other investment vehicle man.
1: So tell my audience about that, uh, that jump from, sounds like you were in four plexes. Um, you house hacked that route. Tell me about that jump into syndications or larger multifamily properties. How did you learn about syndications? And how did you make that transition into going into larger scale properties?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I bought that single family home back in 2011, house hacked it without even realizing it, <clears throat> got the real estate bug, um, started you know, continuing to look at the small multifamily properties, uh, but then I got the multifamily itch. And so I actually started focusing on medium and large multifamily before I even closed an actual residential investment property deal. Um, so then I actually transferred from where I was Previously to where I am now in Pensacola, and the minute I got to Pensacola, which was just just about three years ago, um, that's when I decided to close a fourplex with the intentions of house hacking it using a two hundred three K FHA loan, um, with the intentions of living in one unit, renting out the other three. With a two hundred three K FHA loan, if if you're not aware of what that is, you get to wrap the cost of rehab into the loan. And so, for quick numbers, I bought a four unit property in a very desirable neighborhood for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I wrapped $100,000 worth of, worth of rehab costs into that loan. So the total project cost, the total loan amount was two hundred and fifty. dollars I only had to put down 3.5% of that, which all together was about sixteen grand. So I had to come out of pocket about sixteen grand to get a fourplex, newly rehabbed, now cash flowing and has been cash flowing since that point. But six months after I closed that deal, that's when I jumped up to my first deal, which was a 42 unit apartment complex, which is what I syndicated uh, with a partner of mine, him and I, we met on Bigger Pockets before I came down to Pensacola. We linked up. That first week I came down here, I closed on that fourplex. That first week I got here, I met up with him. We made a plan. We started reaching out to brokers, kept educating ourselves, closed our first deal, and um that's, that's how the jump happened. I was just focused and that's exactly what I wanted. I, I let people know what I was looking for, what I was doing. I went to the RIA meetings. That's where most of our capital was raised in our local RIA. Um, and then, you know, from that point, you know, a few months later, bought it, bought a mobile home park. Then at, you know, since that point, we've just been focusing on, on medium and large multifamily. So, um, that's, Hopefully that answers
1: your question. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, and and this is a side note. I was going to ask a totally different question here, but you brought it up. We've been talking about Bigger Pockets here once again. That is also another household name in the real estate investing community. But for those of my listeners that haven't heard of it or listened to any of their podcasts, been on their forums, can you talk a little bit about Bigger Pockets? How that's you know educated you and helped you accelerate your investment career? Because I mean, you basically. In that last story, you said you met a partner through Bigger Pockets, and uh, can you share a little bit about Bigger Pockets and how it's helped you and benefited you in your investing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and that partner and I ended up being guests on the on the podcast, which was which was epic for me and and for my career. Um, just being on that show just completely catapulted my career. And we can talk about that in a minute, but um, I mean, Bigger Pockets was one of the reasons why I was able to take action so quick and. Um, I got the bug, you know. I, I started reading books, and I stumbled across the whole Rich Dad series: Rich Dad Poor Dad, Cash Flow Quadrant, ABCs of Real Estate, Tax Free Wealth, Loopholes. That's really was very inspiring. If you don't, if you haven't read any of the Rich Dad series books, please, please, please do. And and I could run through those again. But then I found the Bigger Pockets podcast, which was then I realized what podcasts were all about, and uh, that's just a whole new universe. And then you know, so I listened to the podcast every single day, multiple times a day. I was just consuming content turned my car into a mobile university and then i was in very active in the community and it's just a, an amazing community amazing platform um for anybody that is involved in real estate there's, there's a lot that you know that you can get out of uh, bigger pockets they have calculators and um they have webinars and some education and stuff like that um you got to pay to be a member and stuff to, to get the pro membership and but that's why it was really cool, and you know, we had a really cool story to share with the Bigger Pockets community because that's how my partner and I met, and because of the community is how we linked up. Then we ended up closing our deal, and then we were able to share our our, our story on the Bigger Pockets podcast, uh, episode two eighty two. We dive into how to create the perfect partnership. Um, and a lot of people that, that holds them back. They don't know how they know that they want to be, become, you know, get partners and, and do these things with a team. And, but it's hard for a lot of people to understand how to do that. So we kind of dove into that. Uh, it's really important knowledge. Um, so check it out. Episode 282, um, really good stuff. So that's, that's kind of how that happened. And bigger pockets was, was definitely, uh, instrumental in, in my growth and my ability to, to take action in, in real estate for sure.
1: No, that's awesome, and that word kind of struck a chord with me as well. I was just thinking about how I was going to respond to this here, and I was just thinking of that word. I mean, instrumental. That's yeah. what bigger pockets, that that community, that podcast, that, that's what got me learning and interested. And for years, it was my favorite podcast. And I mean, their focus for a long time, at least. I'm not. I haven't been following their their content too much recently because I'm now more absorbing multifamily focused content and podcasts, but they they really have a broad spectrum of what they cover. And they really help people that are looking, that are interested in real estate investing and looking to learn. And it kind of walks people along the journey from just entering to scaling up to growing a single family portfolio to a little bit of multifamily. So they cover a wide spectrum, but I mean, it really is that gateway to learning more, getting interested, getting involved in the community, and even going back a little bit further, what you mentioned there, the Rich Dad series. I've, I've read Numerous of books of those uh, from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, and on and on and on and went through those books. And, and that's kind of like, once again, another, um, I was chatting on with another podcast uh, interview I hosted earlier today about, I mean, that's really is the, the gateway. It, it opens people's minds and majority, once you start listening to these these people um, that are having success in real estate, it always comes back to that purple book that everyone says, well, that's where I had that mindset shift where it's like, oh, I should be acquiring assets and uh, something that can generate me income and passive income. And you just start thinking that way. And I, I think I had that similar transition where I, I read that book and I'm like, okay, how do I apply this? And then, you know, logically you start driving, you know, your mind towards these, these educational topics where they they share about real estate, how you can generate passive income. So that's kind of how I went down to uh, bigger pockets and, and, and ended up on this road as well. So that's really cool. So you have an interesting background because, I mean, you're still working, you're still within the Navy. Can you talk about, you know, your experience in the Navy, how that's benefited you in your real estate investing journey and how you even manage doing both at the same time? Could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. That's a great question. I mean, um, first of all, you know, being in the military, it, there's so there's so many benefits. And the military, first of all, either will make you or break you. Uh, and the minute I learned that I just took advantage of all the opportunities that the military has. Um, and, and because of how we're trained and what we go through and what we endure through our career, those the characteristics that are embedded into our DNA, they transition very well in business and investing and especially in real estate. And I'm talking about you know the leadership, uh, the work ethic, the humility, the grit, um, you know the team, the teamwork, the um, just you know being able to overcome adversity and failure. And, and we're just we have all these really really great characteristics instilled in us in our training that we just have to. It's just become part of our, our culture. Um, and applying those in business just will will help. And I and I think they very much help me uh, exceed um in real estate and investing and um you know right right now i'm stationed in, in Pensacola, Florida. i initially came here to be a water survival instructor. um i'm a rescue swimmer in the navy. um but now i'm also teaching the pilot students about a few different things, water survival, engine systems, um leadership, personal development and stuff. i actually just taught an ethics class uh earlier this afternoon. um and i usually usually use that time to talk about leadership, mindset, and personal development, and all the things that I've learned, becoming a better investor, you know, the cool thing is, you know, the, the better investor you become, I've learned the better human you become. Because you learn how to improve your mindset, you learn how to add more value to our to our world. Um, and that way, you'll be able to receive more in abundance. And, and while you learn how to be a better investor and, and, and business person, you also learn how to be a better, you know, Husband, wife, spouse, community leader, philanthropist—you um, know, just a better, just a better person. So I take that time to to train our future pilots, uh, future division officers, all about all about that type of stuff, and you know how to be a better leader and how to be um, how to focus on your mindset and your own personal development, how to be a forever student. So that's kind of what I get to do right now, and and that'll end in November. I'm separating to to do the real estate thankful time and. And the active duty passive income thing full time and, uh, but yeah, man, military training transitions very well into into real estate, and that's that's another reason why we created active duty passive income.
1: No, and that's awesome. And I mean, you you mentioned something that I know I've talked about a handful of times on the show already is about mindset and how important that is into uh, applying it into real estate, taking massive action, all those different things, and. I know I could, you know, me and you could go back and forth and and I could get you talking about mindset for for this whole podcast and hours. But um, I actually do want to dig into uh, something different, a different topic here, because my listeners haven't heard too much about it um, as of yet. But you have a a specialty where you actually, well, you, you focus on both. You do multifamily apartments and also mobile home parks. So this is an asset class that I want you to share a little bit about with my listeners, so why did you start pursuing mobile home parks? What is it that attracted you to mobile home parks in the first place?
2: Yeah, so a couple of years ago, um, you know, being in being involved in multifamily, um, we were looking at deal after deal. We're getting all this deal flow. We're like, man, cap rates are going down, and that means that the ret- overall return on investment wasn't as favorable or attractive. And then I'm like, so what? What else could we possibly look at? Then I just, you know. Through networking and, and just my own uh, pursuing other other avenues, I stumbled across you know mobile home parks and so I realized it was a whole nother world a whole nother asset type and the more I learned about mobile home parks the more the more uh, excited I got about them because and, and here's, here are the biggest benefits that that I see I mean number one, um, you know there, there's a massive affordable housing crisis regardless of what where you're located. Um, worldwide, we have a big affordable housing crisis. There's not enough affordable housing uh, to provide to people who need it. And um, within the last year, I think for every um, 10 people who need affordable housing, I think only 2.5 have it provided to them. Some crazy statistic like that. And that's why we love B and C class apartment communities because that's you know the work fa- workforce or affordable housing. But mobile home parks are even more affordable um, you know, they have the lowest and the most affordable type of housing that's available. I mean, um, and, and the cool thing is lot rents right now, on average, are only about $300 a month for just the lot rent. And that's only going up, you know, moms and pops and private owners who have owned these things over the last, you know, few decades have literally been fearful of increasing the lot rent. Because they thought that they would have a decrease in occupancy, they other people would just move out. Even though they had the most affordable type of housing, even if they even if they increase the lot rent with inflation, they were fearful. So there's so much opportunity and upside of growth for lot rents. That's insane. Like we're looking at parks and parks that have like under $200 a month lot rent, like 150, 180. When that market lot rent is like 340, 350, um, and you can't just go in there and, and spike the lot rent in, in a month, but you just see so much upside for the next following couple of years. Um, so those are, those are a couple big advantages and there's a big, there's big stigmas out there. You know, when you, when you hear the media talk about like the trailer park boys and stuff like that and people just think, Oh, well, why would I own a trailer park or a mobile home park? Um, the thing is they're, A a, a lot of the the biggest misconception is that it's just every mobile home park is just, you know, has tons of crime, domestic violence, drugs, alcohol. And that's simply just not true. Um, These are these are a lot of hardworking Americans that just either can't afford to buy a home or to rent, uh, you know, a nice apartment or they're just choosing to live within their means, right? So then they have more income to do other things and enjoy experiences. So there's so many communities out there where there are great um, citizens of our of our country that are just living there. A lot of them are homeowners. They own their own home. They have a pride of homeownership. And if they own their own home and their trailer or their home is paid off, then they're only liable for that lot rent. And so when you have 100% tenant-owned homes, you have almost no expenses because they're paying for taxes, maintenance, insurance, repairs, but they're still paying you lot rent. And if they're submetered, they're still paying for all their own utilities. So even though you have a very low expense ratio, you're still getting lot rent every single month. And that lot rent is only going up. Do you want me to continue? I have more benefits, man.
1: Well, yeah. C- continue on. You've got more benefits. I was going to ask another question, and and uh, feel like you already addressed some of the misconceptions, which is what people think about mobile home parks, and that's just kind of like a, a natural thing. People are like, oh, these are the types of tenants you're going to be dealing with. You're going to be dealing with a lot of crime. But I mean, you've already debunked that here. They're they're average people. They're they're good people. They're they're not these criminals that you're you're managing these these slums. It's 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 a good asset class, and there's good people living in them and good tenants. But you said you had more benefits you want to share. I'll let you keep going.
2: Yeah, I mean, and because of the stigma, there's less investor competition. So less and less and less investors are looking at these. Like so many people uh, have have started looking at the multifamily space. So a lot of people are looking at multifamily, but... Um, there are more today looking at mobile home parks for the same reason I described a couple of years ago when we started looking at them was because the, the cap rates were being compressed. But now because interest rates are still ridiculously low, even the low cap rates are, are offering enough of an arbitrage or the spread between our interest rate and the cap rate. And if you have about a 3% spread, you could probably offer investors uh, enough uh, a compensation, enough returns to, to make it look attractive. Right. Um, So less investor competition. I think more and more people, again, are are looking at mobile home parks, but less, way far less investors are looking at mobile home parks than are looking at multifamily or residential. Um, And so there's just, again, there's there's other benefits and um, it's just, uh, there's a lot of stigmas out there. Um, And it's cool because, you know, you you could help solve the affordable housing crisis. You can capture the upside in lot rent you can cre- create homeowners, right? Um, create homeowners and they want to have, have their own pride of home ownership, but they'll take care of all their own expenses, but they're still going to be liable to pay you lot rent every single month. Um, as long as you're keep, you know, um keeping the the maintenance up you still have to make sure the roads are paved nice the landscaping is done the utilities are working well and there's you know there's municipal utilities like city water city sewer or private utilities like septic tanks and wells and lagoon systems and uh there's a lot of misconceptions about all those i don't want to go too deep right now into that stuff um But yeah, man. So we love it. And don't get me wrong. There are still some parks out there that are just um, have tons of riffraff or crime and and people not paying the rent. Um, But that's a management problem. You know, management is not holding them accountable and not enforcing what should be enforced. The no pay, no stay policy. Um, You know, that must be enforced. So, um, but but it's there's just a big misconception out there about mobile home parks and we love them, man. They're they're still there's still huge opportunities in the mobile home park space.
1: No, that's awesome. And you mentioned there, you I feel feel you already addressed the uh demand factors where you're saying there might be a little bit less competition from investors looking to acquire these types of mobile home park assets as opposed to you know what you might see as the competition in the multifamily apartment arena but how about the supply issue? Like one of the things I've kind of heard is, I mean, they're not producing much more mobile home parks at this point in time, is that causing an issue or how is that supply and demand kind of balancing out? Can you address that? Yeah,
2: so right now there's about 40,000 mobile home parks across the United States. Um, And I'll tell you what, they're not gonna be really making a whole lot more. Um, First of all, to answer your question, no, it it hasn't been an issue. Because there's still such a demand for for affordable housing, um, and the reason why there might not be a whole lot of new developments is because, um, let me keep it simple. Imagine the city looking at an apartment complex occupying five acres. Right, they see they can stack units on top of units on top of units and get hundreds of units in this one this one five acre land. Um, But when they, so essentially there's a lot of potential tax revenue. Looking at a a mobile home park in that five acres, you can't stack mobile home parks on top of each other, right? Or mobile homes on top of each other. So within that five acres, you could probably only put, I don't know, 30, 40 something uh, mobile homes. So the cities actually see it as a big tax cut. It's a huge tax hit for them um, to develop new, And even to allow investors to go in there and improve them, it's much more lucrative from a city standpoint to wipe it out and build a large apartment complex, but that's not affordable housing. If you build a new apartment complex, the the, the rent's going to be a thousand bucks a month, 1200 bucks a month on average, right? Depending on what state you're in, of course. Um, But it's still, it's a double-edged sword. So if something's already zoned as a mobile home park, you could likely go in there and expand and get more, more, um, more pads placed in and more infrastructure um, placed to, to put enough, more pads and expand for more affordable housing. But if something's not zoned mobile home uh, park, um, it's not, if it's not zoned for a mobile home park, the city would rather see an apartment com- complex go in there because they can get a lot more tax revenue from it. Um, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, 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 totally. And I, I feel like you've addressed a lot of the benefits, uh, some of the misconceptions and really given a good high level overview of mobile home parks. So I want to uh, have you kind of showcase a little bit of a specific deal that you've completed. And I know we chatted about this earlier. Uh, you were planning on talking about the last deal you've done. So uh, do you mind kind of going into some of those details uh, of that last acquisition of that mobile home park that you completed, you know, what was the value? What's the unit count and go into some of those details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, uh,
2: it wasn't really super, super in our, our criteria in terms of deal size. It was in Indiana, Southern Indiana in the United States. And uh, it was a 71 pad uh, mobile home park. Um, and, you know, we, we got it through a broker relationship and we saw it and we analyzed it. And underwrote it, and realized there was there was lots of lots of upside. Probably the biggest there was well the two main the two main reasons why we were super excited about this deal um, was because one mainly because it was under managed, which fall under which both these reasons fall under the poor management. Um, lot rents were not at market. You know, you look at it within a five or ten mile radius, all the other mobile home communities in the area, um, they were they were about a hundred dollars less than than most of them. So there's a lot of upside in lot rent. So um but number 2 was that even though every single individual pad had its own water meter, the owner was paying for the water for the entire park. So it was on there was a master meter, but it was also submetered and that was one of the biggest ways to, to add value. They were paying about 60 grand a year for water. And immediately, that was the first thing we did. We didn't increase a lot rent uh, when we first took it over last year. All we did was bill back the tenants and say, you are now responsible for the water that you consume. Um, And when when the owner pays for it, um, there's a lot more consumption Um, overall usage in any utility, but especially water. But when tenants are, are paying for their own water, which in most markets, the tenants should be paying for whatever utilities they use, there's at least a third or more less consumption overall when the tenants have to pay for what they're responsible for. Um, so we were super excited about that. And, uh, and so yeah, and, and, and we were able to get it funded by a really, really great partnership that we have now um, through a family office. Um, so we didn't have to go syndicate the deal and raise capital through tons of different investors. It was a joint venture with a family office. Um, so they funded the entire deal for us, both the equity side and the debt side. Um, and they're, they're hungry for more. They really like what we do. They love that. We're still, they'll, you know, they that we're military um, and they're loving, loving what we're doing. So they want to work, continue working with us. And uh, we, they plan on funding a lot more deals for us here in the New
1: I know I'm familiar with family offices, but um, some of my audience might not be familiar with what, what is a family office? I mean, how did, how did this deal come together? You know, how are you building a relationship with and how does it look a little bit different than working with a traditional retail investor or an, uh, an accredited investor? Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, for sure, man. Great question. So a family office is essentially a super high net worth family. Um, usually in the realm of a hundred million dollars of net worth or more, they have what's called a family office. They have other representatives and other people controlling and directing their assets and making sure that their, 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 their liquidity is, is constantly being reinvested. And so, um, we linked up with them, uh, through the power of how you and I met the LinkedIn platform. Um, and if, for anybody who's listening, if, if you're not leveraging LinkedIn, you're missing out um, on something very powerful. I, we put the deal together. We started syndicating it. Um, we started raising capital for it um, through accredited investors only. And then we came across, you know, he came across, the representative for the family office came across one of my posts on LinkedIn and saw, hey, you know, saw what we were doing. And, and he immediately commented on the post. He messaged me, said, hey, I'm interested. Um, and then I hopped on a call with him, uh, you know, we just got to know each other and, um, you know, again, it was just from, because of that one conversation. Now our whole entire, um, team probably doesn't have to spend time raising capital because they'll be willing to fund our entire deals. If not the equity on, you know, up to 40 or $50 million deals that they could just fund for us. Um, and again, I would like to stress, you are one conversation away from a life changing or business changing opportunity. Um, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's a zoom call like this, whether it's a conversation at a meetup or a conference, you are one conversation away from getting to the next level. So, um, that that's how it was. And because of my one post on LinkedIn linked up with the family office, they really liked what we're doing. We had a conversation and now we look forward to them funding a lot more deals here in the near future.
1: Yeah. And that's really cool about the approach you're taking. And, and you've stressed the importance of LinkedIn and, and being one connection away from potentially uh, a life-changing connection, right? And I know we've chatted about, I mean, on this podcast, not this episode, but in previous interviews, had other guests share about the value of, of LinkedIn and, and social media and being able to connect with people in ways that weren't traditionally easy before. Um, you can build relationships with people online. And in, in your case, what you're t- telling here, like a very, very good relationship that's going to move your business forward and expand hugely. And even beyond that, knowing how family offices typically work, they're, they're quite hard to, to get in front of. And they might uh, only work with people that they really, really trust or have a relationship with. But I mean, you've now built that relationship with them. You built trust. You've closed on a deal now. It's going to open up the door to new deals, but also down the road, like they're friends with other people that are in their category of, of net worth. And they might share, hey, I've been working with with Tim. He's got great opportunities. You know, would you want to participate in this deal as well. And, and that's how you kind of grow your business and, and scale up and, and get into a new a league of contacts in your network, so really cool story, and, and I'm glad that you were able to talk a little bit about family offices because I know it's it's something that we haven't addressed yet on on my show yet. So a little bit back to this uh, this particular deal. So do you work with third party property managers or how does that work? Because I mean, the people that you're buying these from are they kind of mom and pop operators or who are you buying these properties off of? And are you just going going in and just swapping it out to a third party property manager to to increase the value by managing it more effectively
2: so uh another great question and and this is one unique um aspect of, of mobile home parks uh the, the management so you know it, it's not super difficult if you're in the right market to find third-party property management for an apartment community um i can't say the same for mobile home parks okay because um each deal is gonna be gonna be very unique and different. Some some deals that we have, we have a resident who lives there who gets free rent lot rent to go enforce the rules and collect the rent and maybe mow the lawn, right? Um, some deals like let's say this one that we're talking about right now, um, we have a local asset manager who lives there who has some of his own mobile home parks that he owns and operates and he has experience in the industry and he is the one locally that is going there and collecting rent, enforcing rules, making sure everybody's set up, um, putting the policies in place. Sometimes if you go large enough, there are a few firms out there that are just like a third party property management team for apartment communities, they have the systems in place, they could do, they could help you conduct your diligence, they could help you reposition and construction project management. Um, and then they could help manage the asset for you. So it really depends on a lot of things, mostly your market, the deal size, and really, you know, your ability to find the people in the market and your relationships that you already have in in the local market.
1: So, I mean, I, I, I want to keep going and, and asking you more questions, and letting you share your expertise, but um, I know we're going to wrap up shortly here. So I want to move into our uh, final piece of the conversation. It's our final four questions where you give short to the point answers. So what is your favorite real estate or business book?
2: Dude, this is tough, man. I mean, by default, I hope everybody's already read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Yep. So I'm not going to use that one. The one that is, you know, for real estate specific, that has been the most game changing for me was probably the ABCs of Real Estate Investing by Ken McElroy. Um, He is the rich dad, real estate advisor. And that was the turning point. And that is, I think, my foundational inspiration for going straight for multifamily and not wasting my time on residential.
1: Perfect, yeah, I mean, or any of our listeners, you've heard it over and over again, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And really, once you read that book, look at other books in the series as well, because there's a handful of other books with um, Robert Kiyosaki's advisors and and, uh, Ken McElroy. Sorry, I'm not saying that right. Ken McElroy, is that right?
2: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, ABC's of Real Estate Investing. It is a great book. I've read it as well. So Mm I would advise you to check that one out as well. Um, So what is one thing you wish you knew when you got started in real estate investing?
2: to to hone my focus and and that's when i started getting traction and and like i i i mentioned briefly before when i first got involved i kind of which i think maybe helped me a little bit but if i knew this i would have spent less time um doing it i kind of went horizontal across all different asset classes and ways that you could generate income in real estate until i found one and then i kind of honed and focused but at the same time when i learned all these other things i was trying to figure out if I liked wholesaling and I tried to do a couple deals. And I was looking at some small residential deals and I was dabbling in creative financing. And maybe I had to go through all that to realize multifamily is really what I wanted. And it just made the most sense for me. But the, the best advice I can give you now would be learn about all the different ways that people make money in real estate, just so you can choose one and then focus on it and go vertical and don't let anything else distract you.
1: No, that's great advice. And, and by building up that knowledge and, and understanding of real estate as a whole, I feel like the analogy is you're, you're building up uh, a toolkit. You have this, you're walking around with this toolkit. you just put in more tools into there. And then you'll learn how to be more creative in your deal structuring and solve problems and, and put deals together. So that's great advice. Yeah. Um, so what's a daily habit that helps you be successful in real estate?
2: Um, I mean, dude, I got to say it's probably my morning routine. Um, it's, it's been game changing and it's been so important since I've still had a full time job. Um, you know, luckily I haven't been deployable over the last couple of years. Um, but you know, waking up earlier than the whole entire world, um, and, and doing my morning routine, doing my morning devotionals and, and praying and speaking to God and thinking about all the things that I'm thankful for in the morning. Um, and, and just, you know, throwing back some coffee and focusing on some kind of personal and professional development reading. Um, right now I'm, um, I'm, I'm going through, an NLP course, which is non, uh, linguistic, uh, programming, which will enable me be to be a better coach and to help people at a much better and deeper level. Um, so just practicing the being a forever student and that, that, that time that I create for myself in the morning. And for me, it works in the morning. It doesn't have to be in the morning for everybody, whatever block of time, whether it's 30 minutes or two hours that you can keep to yourself, um, to focus and, and read and write and ask yourself, how, what can I do to improve my life and business and make it better, faster, and more efficient? You got to create that time to yourself to ask yourself those questions, to read, to write, to, to focus on your own personal pre- professional development, ways to manage your time to time block during the day. What am I going to be doing today? You know, not wasting any time. How could I be most efficient with my time today? Um, and I think that's been game changing. And, uh, if, you know, if you don't have a morning routine, I highly recommend you get one.
1: No, that's great advice. And, and, uh, my listeners, that'll be a common theme. You've already heard it quite a few times already morning routines. A lot of these, uh, successful real estate investors are implementing morning routines. So take the clue and, uh, look to potentially implement that into your daily routine. So, um, last question here, what do you do for fun?
2: Ah, oh, dude, I, uh, I can't live without music. So on top of everything else that I do, I'm also a drummer in a band, and we we gig uh, most weekends here in the area. Uh, I've been playing drums all my life. Um, we were just in the recording studio, and uh, and and we're just having a lot, a lot, a lot of fun doing what we're doing. Um, so I love drumming, playing, you know, in my band, going to see live shows, live concerts around the world. Traveling around the world and and diving,
1: scuba diving. So, uh, last thing before we close off. So, how can our listeners get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing?
2: Yeah, man, for sure. Great question. Um, so, social media. You know the way. Uh, you know, Marks and I connected. It's on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn. I'm very. I'm on there every single day. I'm uh, very active on LinkedIn. So you could search the Timothy Kelly on LinkedIn. And reach out to me. And if you go to LinkedIn and you look at my profile and you send me a message and say that you heard me on this podcast, I will hop on a call with you and give you a free coaching or strategy session to help you get to the next level. Um, so you could reach out to me through that. Uh, Facebook, you know, you could search Tim Kelly. I'm pretty active on Facebook too. We have an amazing community at Active Duty, Passive Income. Um, and then Instagram at the Timothy Kelly, uh, follow me. I'm always putting content up on a daily basis, um, to help get you to the next level. And then you can go to my website, thetimothykelly.com. All the shenanigans that I'm involved in are on that, whether it's just my, my personal investment, uh, firm or active duty, passive income, or my coaching. Cause I also do coaching on the side. Um, that's, that's something I'm very passionate about helping people kind of one-on-one learn what what they're all about, what they do, what's holding them back. And, and a lot of it, guys, is, is mindset. Um, a lot of people have self-doubt and self-talk that is limiting their, their potential. Because um, you can know everything in the world about how to, how to analyze a deal, how to conduct your diligence on a deal, um, how to raise capital. But if you don't have the right mindset, you're not going to be able to achieve your goals. Um so again, mindset is everything. Um, so yeah, reach out to me, man. Um, don't hesitate. And like I said, I'd I'd be happy to hop on a call with you and I'll just send you my calendar link. And um, if you go and reach out to me on LinkedIn, man, I'd be happy to hop on a call with you.
1: Tim, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. You you added a, a ton of value. Uh, really spoke to my listeners about mobile home park investing, which was awesome. It's a new topic, a new asset class to share with them. So um really appreciate you taking the time to come on and yeah, hope to talk to you again soon.
2: Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure. Be good. Yeah, you too. Take care. Later. Bye.
0: If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, marcuscron.com. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. If you enjoy the podcast or if it provides value in any way, make sure to leave a five-star review. This helps the show attract top-quality guests who will be able to provide even more insight into how you can build wealth through real estate. Talk to you next time.